You're listening to Good Lad Unscripted with your host. <laughs> I'm going to introduce you to a friend of mine, TJ Hymas. TJ has uh, spent 15 years of his life in the Army, uh, eight years as a Green Beret in Special Forces, uh, finished up his time in the Army as a Sergeant First Class, five deployments overseas, combat deployments, three in Afghanistan, two in Iraq, one in Pakistan. The big problem, of course, with living that kind of a high-speed life is coming back and integrating into the real world. Everyone, TJ Hymas. TJ, uh, you're on the other side of that now, your, your military career. Uh, I want to talk about the, the, the transition from being a combat soldier, experiencing the, the horrible things that you've been through, uh, and then coming back and making sense of life and, and transitioning into an Elm Street guy and uh, you know with a family and a job and, and the normal things. If we can just sort of... Briefly go back to, I guess, uh, when you got into the Army uh, and the, 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 the trade that you chose and the, sort of progress through that until you're ready for deployment and, and, and just touch on some of the things you kind of did over there. All right, so um, there is a difference. There is a difference between the two. As far as prepping before you go overseas and everything, you, you got to start getting into the mindset. So typically what we would do is we'd get family time prior to going over. That family time is, is literally your time to go ahead and, and, and kind of get as much fun stuff with them, as much good memories as you can with them prior to going overseas. You don't know if you're going to come back. You don't know if you're going to get to see them again. You never know. Now, so, that, that's so, on... So, so you enjoy them. That's a good point. Now, you're aware of that. Is the rest of the family aware of that? When it comes to kids, no. Okay. The only thing the kids know is like, yeah, we're going on vacation. We get to go out and we're going to do all this stuff. And hey, look, we're getting all this time with dad and everything. The wife knows. Right. She doesn't show it. So you have to stuff all that down? Or do you exactly. Just, yeah. you, you know, you, know you, you just, you don't think about it. You just don't. You know, it's one of those things that you're aware of, but yet you don't mention it. You don't talk about it, but you know it's there. You just carry on with life. Uh, so as soon as we get the family time and everything, then it, obviously it's time for us to deploy. And the whole preparation is just, for us, it's just work. It's, it's just showing up to work, going through our checks, more no different than anybody would say a welder. No different right. than a welder would go through when he's getting ready. You know, he's got to make sure he's got the right arc. He's got to make sure he's got all the wires and everything, especially if it's TIG welding. You got to make sure he's got everything ready. Right. So if not, he's not going to be able to do his job. Right. Same thing for us. Whenever we go overseas, same thing. We got to make sure that we have all of our stuff packed, all the ducks in a row. And then when we get there, life totally changes. Now, when you deployed, how, how, long, is it, how long were you gone? Our normal deployments are about eight months. Okay. So it's, it's not like Ranger Regiment where they go over for like three months at a time and everything, which is why those guys have like 10, 15, you know, deployments. deployments because they're only there for three months at a time. Right. Uh, us within the Special Forces community, we actually go over for it like eight months at a time. We're legitimately there for almost a year. Right. And so it, it gets quite intensive. But now, what was your job over there? So my job, I was at 18 Charlie, and 18 Charlie is going to be a Special Forces Engineer Sergeant. And having said that, what that entails as far as training for us is we initially start off with learning how to build things. You know, I mean construction, you know, learning how structures are built from the ground up. Now, structures, all structures, buildings, bridges. All structures, buildings, bridges. You know, you got to learn about abatements in the bridges. You got to learn about pillars inside of actual buildings, like concrete buildings, like we see in downtowns. And then also what we call TO construction, which is 
<coughs> pardon me, which is basically just building up your own little shack, your own little house, a 20, 24 by 24 foot building, just for you and your guys from the ground up. Right. And then so you, the purpose behind that is because our main focus also is as demo men, demolitions guys. Well, you can't properly blow something up if you don't know exactly how it was built. Right. So, <laughs> you, you have so to, build it first, right? Exactly. You got to learn how to build it first before you learn how to take it down. Right. You know, could go with the Jenga effect and just kind of, you know, keep pulling <laughs> things here and there. But, I mean, it, it doesn't really equate out to efficiency in right. the end. Right. So that, that's our primary job over there as 18 Charlie. But we have other tasks also. Because once you actually get in the mix and you actually get into, you know, into firefights and everything else, everybody's a shooter. doesn't matter what your secondary job was. You know, our, our 18 Deltas, who are, who are medics, those are the guys that are actually saving our lives and everything. And we all cross-train, so we all know some medical, you know, um, some medical skills there. But the 18 Deltas were the guys that actually, like, that was their specific job. They got trained in that for two years on how to save your life. But if you got into heavy firefight, yeah, fire combatants as well? doesn't matter. Yep. It doesn't matter. We all have to protect ourselves because of rule number one of saving somebody's life. You have to be alive to do it. You got to be alive to do it, and you got to make sure that the enemy is not there. Right. So you got to get out of the firefight first. You got to return fire. You got to eliminate the threat first. Same thing with cops. Right. Cops can't go up and save somebody's life if you know. Exactly. If an aggressor is there, still, still trying to cause harm, exactly. you got to get rid of the aggressor first. Correct. Okay, so now on these deployments, what, what would your typical day be like? Did you get to train? Did you get to, you know, you get your three squares a day? Is it a half-assed normal life or are you, are you out there in the desert? So as, in regards to that, it, it, life actually gets easier. It gets simpler. You know, for at least for us, we think it gets simpler. For everybody that stays back here in the States, they probably might not think so. And the reason behind that is because our main focus while we're there Eat, sleep, no, not necessarily in that order, but <laughs> <laughs> basically just put this way. You wake up in the morning, you eat your breakfast, get a workout in, you go about your day and you can perform your daily tasks. So whatever it may be for that day, whether it be prepping for a mission coming up, doing paperwork for a mission coming up, um, doing paperwork f just because you have to do paperwork. Do you do a shift? To do, it. do you do a shift or you have a... Not necessarily. I you mean, just get you, up and work. Yeah, you just get up and you just start working out the things that you know need to get done. It, it's, it's everybody, we're all self-motivators. We're all proactive people. So we just wake up and start doing things that you know need to get done. If there's nothing to be done that day or you've already accomplished all the tasks that you really need to accomplish for that specific day, okay, you got free time? Grab some guns, grab some ammo, go to the range, train get some shooting time in. And there's other days in which we specifically would set aside, like, hey, no, today we're all going to go to the range together and we're all going to work on these drills and we're all going to work on this or we're all going to work on that or, you know, whatever it may be out on the range together as a collective unit, as a team. So once you're done with that, obviously, still lunches included, still eat your lunch, still got your dinner time and everything. If you got a mission coming up, then obviously you're staying up later because you got to prep for the mission and, and uh, work with your counterparts, your actual local counterparts as far as getting ready for that. So a, one day was never ever the same. Gotcha. It was always something different. But the one thing that was always a constant was eating, sleeping, gym. 
<laughs> those were always the constants. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what else was going on in the day. And those were the three things that you always made sure happened. Yeah. You always made sure you had food in your belly. You always made sure you got rested. And you always made sure you got a workout in to stay fit. <laughs> How about uh, staying in touch with family at home? Is that, uh, is it, uh, you know, our vision of that is that there's this big air-conditioned room that you go into with a pile of computers and you can sit there and Skype all day. Is it like that? With some units, they do have that. With <laughs> our unit, um, we all have our own individual, what we call talks, our, our, our little command centers. And with that, we all have a phone to where we can call back to the States and we can actually keep in contact with them. As far as the Internet, we strictly kind of use the Internet purely for work. Um, sometimes we might have Internet in our rooms and everything, jump on Facebook, Skype, and all that stuff like, at your leisure. And so we were kind of spoiled in that aspect because some we did. We have it in our room instead of a big tent. Gotcha. But it all still fell on the individual. Some guys wanted to talk to their family every day. Other guys wanted to talk to their family once a month, you know, because them and their spouse had the, had the idea of, you know, no news is good news. If I'm not hearing anything from him, that means he's safe. So you find it. your own way of doing it. Exactly. So you got to find out what works, what works out for your what family. What works for you? Uh, you know what? What worked for me at first was, you know, about once a week. Yeah. And, and then as time progressed and everything else and the kids started to grow, it, it, it kind of turned into more like, you know, an every other day or, you know, every third day type of deal. You know, it kind of became closer because you feel that you're starting to miss out. You're starting to miss out on the kids growing up. You're starting to miss out on some of the things that are back here stateside. You still got a job to do and you love your job. You wouldn't change it. And it's like, man, you know what? In the back of your head. It's two lives. Jeez, you know, she's growing up. She's doing this. Oh, wow, she said this new word today type of deal. You know, I mean, just listening to kids grow up, you know, it's just weird, you know? Yeah. Now, when you come back home from deployment, you reunite with the family, and then, of course, you get into a different work routine, right? Does, how does that feel coming back from your first deployment? What was that like? From the first deployment, it actually wasn't really that bad because I was still young. I was single. You okay. know, it, it wasn't that bad Still had the guys. We all lived together in the barracks. Uh, I wasn't in the SF community yet. I was still in the 82nd. I was just a normal infantry guy back then. And so it wasn't that bad at all because all the guys that I had overseas, you know, the, the, the bond that we built together, that we built together over there, we still had. Mm -hmm. we, we still saw each other, you know. Walk out of your room, want to talk to your buddy, his room's right across the hall. Going out to the bar or whatever, you know, back then in my heydays, hey, knock on the door you want to go let's go yeah you know and then as you grow older and you mature as a person and you you know just mature period because you are getting older as a person and you got different life experiences things start to change and so having your own family unit and your friends having their own family unit and everybody being in different households you kind of start losing that a little bit when you go overseas you're right there with each other you have that brotherhood you have that bond right when you come back home, still have it. You still go out, but it's not as strong as it was because, well, they still have their families on some weekends. And, of course, sometimes, you, you know, you might want to hang out, but they can't. And then you got to start finding, okay, well, I got this civilian friend over here, and you try to hang out with them. But there's still not that connection. There's still not that strength of, you know, camaraderie there. Let's that talk it was about that guys. a little bit. I, 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 as a former cop, I I understand what it was like for me to have to go to, especially being a younger guy, going to a social gathering when there are people there, and then they find out you're a cop, so first of all, they act differently, and then they, 
you know, it's always this uh, this interview of of what I would consider silly questions, and you have to endure this, and it's just like, dude, I can't wait to get back. I, I just got to get out of here. You know, it's just too much, because you just you realize abundantly that you don't fit in here. You know, is was it a lot the same for you? There's some circles that you go to, and and you will run into it. Even today, when people find out what I used to do, you know, I get stereotypes. Sometimes I get questions asked, and other people are. Wow, awesome, cool, thank you. Hey, don't thank me, it was my pleasure to do it. And then that's it. You know, if everybody else could just be more like, hey, thank you, and then then for them to receive that, receive that same response of, hey, no, it was my pleasure, that, that'd be all right. But the barrage of questions, I understand people are curious, right? but it, it's not the same for everybody either. It's just me personally now. Right. Me personally, it's like, you know what? It was a job. You know, just kind of being humble with it. It's, it. It was a job. I don't need the barrage of questions of, you know, what was it like? Did you ever do this? Did you ever do that? And it's like, you know what? If you want to, if you want to know what it's like over there, sign up. Go sign up. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the specifics of what you did is the difficult part. But when people uh, approach you and thank you for your service or ask you what you did, or is that difficult for you? Uh, as far as asking what I did, as far as my specialty and what my job was. That's not difficult, you know, as far as thanking me for my service and everything, you know, it kind of goes back to that, you know, thank you for thanking me, but mm -hmm. it was my pleasure. You know, it's just like all the cops out there and all the firefighters out there, you know, I, I thank those guys all the time. Why? It's civil service. Those guys are putting their life on the line every single day. I think know? anybody that serves understands exactly uh, the, what, what it takes to serve, and, and they are very thankful. Yep, and it's a greater sense of self, mm -hmm. you know, and for cops to do it back here in the United States or anywhere in the world, for anybody, you know, do any type of civil service duty, they're not thinking about just themselves. They're thinking about something greater than themselves. Right. And that's the important thing. And, well, I won't get into, I won't get into that. But, <laughs> but, uh, Whole different topic. Yeah. Another day. <laughs> uh, now, I want to go back to, to going back then, second deployment, third deployment. Is it easier to go back overseas? Do you dread it? Did you like it more the second time than the first? It's a whole lot easier to go back. Once, once you know that's there, you and you wanted to go back? Definitely. It's a whole lot easier to go back. I miss it every day. And, yeah. and, I mean, that's something that drives drives some people nuts. It's like, you know, how could you do that? Why would you want to go back over there? It's what I know. It's what I do. It's what I'm good at. You know, life is, believe it or not, life is simpler there. You know, I've already told you, you got three main staples that you have to worry about. Food, eat, <laughs> oh, that's the same. Yeah. <laughs> food, sleep, and gym. We like their food. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you got food, sleep, and gym. And then other than that, you just do your job. Yeah. Nobody messes with you. You do your job. Yeah, you're going to get shot at. But you know what? That's part of the job. You go out there, and, and, and the instances when you're getting shot at, you don't think about it. That's when your training kicks in. It's like look at somebody, look at a, you know, a nurse in the ED. When somebody starts coding, they don't think about it. They just go straight to work, right? They just know what to do. Yeah. Exactly. They instinctively know what to do. They instinctively know what you know what to start doing. Everybody has their job. Less when does the reality play. of that set in? You know that you've seen lives taken. You've you know you've experienced all of that in combat, presumably. When does that sink in? Sinks in at the at the most inopportune times, man. Really, <laughs> it does. It sinks in at the most inopportune times. You know, you can sit there and, and like I don't watch I don't watch war movies that much anymore. You know, one because I nitpick them to piece. Right. You know, so like nah, that's not, not authentic. Nah, that's not authentic. That's not right. <laughs> you know, but the second thing is just you know what? 
I don't need to see it. Like, you know, the movie about Chris Kyle, I won't watch it. I won't watch, you know, the, the Lone Survivor movie either. Why? That's their story. That's their tale. They lived that. I don't need to know about it, you know. That's for them. To me, that's something personal, you know. And, and having to sit there and to watch it, it's like, I don't want to, you know, because it, it does. Some, Why some do you part think you feel that way? Because some part of it does tap into some of the stuff I've seen. I don't want to relive it. Right. So what do people do whenever they don't want to relive something? Just they avoid relive it. it. You know? yeah. yeah, they, they <laughs> avoid it and they throw it in the back of their mind. You know, and one of the greatest things out there, you know, to get over something is to face it head on. And I understand that. And, and I faced it head on. It's just, why am I going to keep on torturing myself? I keep on having it come up and come up and come up. Call it avoidance if you want. I, well, I mean, there's a yeah. million different movies a guy could watch, right? And you, exactly. I, I don't, I don't watch horror movies, and I don't watch cop movies. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, like I watch horror movies, yeah, no problem. There's killing in horror movies, right? I know it's pure entertainment, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, having to do with someone's actual firsthand encounters over there, right? But yeah, I mean, the thing is, that's a choice, right? And it's exactly. like any it's an act of difficult choice. or traumatic thing that anybody goes through. They, choose not to do that is do you find it difficult for others to understand stuff like that i find it difficult for anybody that hasn't been put in a type of any other situation to understand situations that someone else was put into which is something i always thought which is really really weird when you get to the va i got buddies that will sit there and, and they talk about some of the counselors at the va you know hey they're making me go to counseling they want to make sure i'm okay and, all right we'll go and then one of them worst things that anybody can ever say as a counselor personally that I feel is well I know exactly what you mean okay you know exactly what I mean what okay were you ever in situations like that before mm -hmm. no okay so then therefore you do not know exactly what I mean you do not know exactly how I feel so I mean trying to relate I can understand trying to relate but to sit there and say that you know exactly what someone means or exactly how they feel right that, you know, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to veterans. I can understand. I can see that, yeah. I mean, try to tell that to a, to a mother that I know exactly what childbirth must have been like for exactly. you. <laughs> like, I've, I've, I've passed kidney stones before, but I'm pretty sure that still doesn't even compare to, you know, compare to childbirth. But My you gosh. can talk to the kidney stone guy. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, now, when you went back, you said the deployments were easy. Was it easy to come home after the deployments? As they progressed? Part of me still wanted to stay there, but it was easy to come home just due to the fact because you wanted to see family again. Now, my question is then, how long were you home before you wanted to get on a plane and go back? <laughs> About a month. <laughs> Which is really weird because when you look at actually uh, the deployment cycle of, you know, within the SF community, you're really only ever home for like a month straight anyway. You come home for like a month, maybe a month and a half, and then you're off somewhere training. Training. Again. And you'll, you'll be gone for two weeks, and you'll come back for like two weeks, and you'll be gone for three weeks, and you're back for like a month, and you're gone for two months, and you're back for a month and a half at most. That's got to be so hard on relationships, right? That's why our divorce rate's so high. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you're never there, right? Exactly. You know, and, and I, like I could laugh about it now. I mean, of course, you know, I'll be honest, I want my third marriage, you know, and then. What was funny is we used to have a running joke of the simple fact that you're not a real SF guy unless you have at least one on uh, one one divorce in your belt, you know. <laughs> it's like, geez, man. It's like how sick of twisted, are, you know, are we? But it, it wasn't necessarily 
said so as for the humor, and this is one thing I can say being out now. Being out, now I can actually realize that it was more so of like, no, this is actually just the harsh reality of it. Yeah, we might crack it into a joke, but no, the the more you accept this and the more you actually grow to accept the fact that friggin' more likely you are going to end up divorced, right? the easier it'll make it. Interesting. Now, how about other friendships, high school friends, cousins, buddies that you had before you went in the military? Do they endure? What do you mean by endure? Uh, do you still talk to those guys? Oh, yeah. I have, I have a couple guys that I still talk to. And then the greatest thing about that is they, don't, they just don't bring up my service. They don't. You know, they're like, hey, look, we know what you went over there and did. We know what you, you know, what it was that you did in the Army. We know that you've been in firefights. And we don't care. Why don't you come over here, hang out, we're having a barbecue. And that's the thing that makes you most comfortable. Exactly. That's the thing that makes me feel most comfortable. You know, don't treat me differently just because I've been over there. You know, I'm still the same person. And that's exactly, and that's actually why I'm still friends with the guys that I'm still friends with from high school. Are you still the same person to them? (laughs) To them, yeah. You know, there's small things here and there that that have changed, you know. They're like, dude, you really don't care about that stuff anymore, do you? And it's like, no, I really don't. And it's like, wow, you know, you used to be so high strung and just this small thing right here, we used to piss you off or something. And now you're just like, eh, whatever. And my response to that is like, yeah, is is anybody going to die because of that? No. All right, so why am I going to worry about it? Right. Different paradigm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, you've left the Army, <clears throat> and, uh, and you said that you, there isn't a day that goes by that you don't miss being deployed. What is it about being deployed that you like the most or that you miss the most? Camaraderie. <laughs> yeah, guys. <laughs> you know, yeah. being around the guys and just, you know, having that simple life of, you know, waking up, eating, Working out, <laughs> shooting on the range, going to you know going to do missions, coming back, laughing it up with the guys, and just repeat the whole cycle. Um, in regards to firefights itself, the thing I miss about firefights, and I know you haven't asked, but I'll offer this up. Uh, it's just what's really crazy is is that some people might call it being an adrenaline junkie, but to me, it's the first firefighter I was ever, I was ever in. From from then forth, it's like everything and everything that was happening finally caught up to the brain or the speed of my brain. You Interesting. Know? Can you explain that? Uh, the easiest way to explain to me was ADHD. You know, freaking, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, ADD type deal. But honestly, I think it's just, you know, some people's brains work on a higher rate of speed than others. I don't think it's ADD or ADHD or whatever else that, you know, that, that it's why being a firefighter makes me feel at home and everything caught up to my brain speed. I think it's just more so the fact that my brain's used to firing quickly. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm, I don't know, some psychologist, psychiatrist out there is probably going to be like, dude, you just said the same thing. <laughs> but whatever. You know. It doesn't really matter what they exactly. say, does it? <laughs> you know? they're, not, they're not there in the middle of the night it, when you just, wake it up, right? It's just for me. You know, you know, I'm used to problem-solving things quickly. Okay. And just firing through things and just... So it's the speed and intensity of a exactly. firefight that makes you, know, you feel it, comfortable? It makes me feel... Hey, look, everything caught up to, you know, how fast I'm used to working. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Let's do this. And you just don't think about it. And there, there's been close calls and everything to where lots of us shouldn't be here right now. And you just sit back and after it's done, you look left, look right, kind of chuckle about it. And we made like, it. All right. Right on, man. Let's go. Yeah. Now, how do you feel about not doing that anymore? How old are you? 
36. Okay, 36. That's not an old man by a long shot. Not at all. I don't know. You asked my wife. She might say differently. <laughs> <laughs> what does she know? <laughs> I got socks that are 36 years old, dude. Oh, gosh. But uh, what do you... What do you want to, do you want to get back to that? You can get into contracting, you can get into personal protection, but is that anything, anything like that going to replace what you're, what you would miss? I guess here's the better question. You're transitioning into this other life and so many people are doing that. So many soldiers are doing that. Uh, what would you, what you, you've been out for a while now. What would you give if there was a pearl of wisdom, um, to help manage that transition from that life and being deployed and then into uh, the real world over okay. back home. So I'll kind of hit both of those. Um, as far as going back over there and everything, if I could, you know, I already answered it. Yeah, I would, yeah. you know. Um, but then I'd be missing out. I, I'd be missing out on the family. Uh, from being out and having to go through the transition and actually not deploying anymore and having to kind of become a, a civilian again, kind of gave me a greater appreciation of family. You know, family is, is like at its core, always going to be there for you. Mm-hmm. And the more I sit down and think about it now, there's lots of times when I was overseas, family's the only thing that got me through it. The camaraderie between the, you know, between your teammates and everything else, what's that? That's a family. It's a family, yep. Calling up on the phone and you know talking back home to your sister or your daughter or you know or your spouse or you know, your mom or whoever it may be, that's still family. So there's always family around you. You just have to change the way you think about it. And so that's that's one of the things as far as coming back as far as my little pearl wisdom is the things that we're afraid of as far as thinking is like oh wow family's so hard family's so hard family has so problems. Well, when your teammates were overseas and they had problems, did you shun them or did you help them out? Right. So when you're back here and your wife has issues and you know, she has problems or your kids are whining and complaining about this, that, and the other, are you going to shun them and get angry about it? Or are you going to help them out like you helped out your teammates? So you think your time in the military has made you a much better family man? It's made me look at family a whole lot differently than I once used to. I used to once used to. Family's always going to be there for you regardless. You know, some family will be. Other family's going to leave your life. The thing is, you still have an active choice as far as which how which way they're going to go. Very, very interesting. Because you can't control their actions, but what you do affects their feelings. Absolutely. And with that, sir, I'd thank you for your service. Uh, <laughs> you know what, Terry, it was my pleasure. You've been a good buddy, TJ, and I really appreciate your time today, and I really appreciate you opening up and talking about something that's very, very sensitive. I look forward to opening up many, many more times here and actually, you know, trying to give back and help somebody else, you know, whether it may be dealing with life problems or, you know, transitioning back into regular civilian life or whether it be somebody that's having to deal with just issues in general and just, you know, maybe, maybe looking for inspiration. Yeah. Well, I think we need to do this again for sure. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much, my friend, and thank you everyone for listening. Hey, have fun out there, folks. (laughs) Stay safe. Take care.